Hello all, welcome to Joshi and all about podcast on enterprise valuation and ESOP. Our guests are industry professionals and experts who will explain various concepts, strategies and rationale relating to ESOP, equity compensation and valuation for publicly traded companies as well as privately held companies. I'm your host Rahul Joshi, partner at Value Mantra, a valuation advisory firm. Our topic today is how much equity a startup should give to early hires. To discuss this, we have with us Ashish Fafadia, partner at Bloom Ventures. Ashish manages Bloom's growth stage investments, fintech opportunities, as well as, as, well as a portfolio headed for exits. Ashish has helped numerous portfolio companies in establishing ESOP policy and guiding founders in deciding the compensation structure. So without much ado, let's hear from Ashish. Welcome, Ashish. Hi. Hi, Rahul. Yes. So Ashish, though I know you from so many years, uh, can you, and I'm sure in other podcasts, you would have done an introduction about yourself, but for me and for my listeners, can you just give your brief background? Sure, sure. So uh, Rahul, uh, in terms of uh, the academics uh, background, I'm a child accountant and a company secretary by qualification. I started my career with a small stint in uh, consulting, advising companies, uh, was a younger member of a team that was working on M&As and uh, liquidations uh, and then moved to a couple of uh, treasuries. I spent a couple of years at State Bank Treasury on the rupee side and at uh, uh, Chart Treasury on the FX side. Uh, and after that, I moved into... Uh, Bennett Coleman, uh, where we were uh, do, making some strategic investments as well as some financial investments. Uh, apart from uh, look, taking a close look at potential M&A opportunities and being part of the corporate team there. Uh, post which I joined Bloom over the last nine years. And here, like you mentioned, I have been working on the growth portfolio of ours as well as fundraising for ourselves, our portfolio companies. and. Uh, investing into early stage fintech businesses. So that's very briefly my journey, Rahul. Uh, during the early days of Bloom, we had the platform approach which continues till date. That is what has actually differentiated us uh, vis-a-vis the market. Not more as a marketing uh, differentiator, but more of a real uh, value that we strive to add to the lives of our founders. So we have a very strong platform team that we have always been investing into. Over a bit of last eight, nine years, this team has also grown. So when we look at the number of uh, the dollars that we manage per person in the team, I think we will be one of the lowest in the industry, uh, which goes on to indicate that we are fairly large relatively as a team with the funds who manage similar quantums of AUM or even more. Uh, And the whole rationale of doing that is so that we have, apart from the members in the investment team, people who are going to support companies with respect to their business cop dev activities, uh, fundraising support, uh, marketing efforts, uh, financial uh, services relating and ops related activities pertaining to uh, hiring accounts, cop secretarial matters, etc. So that has been very much uh, strongly executed uh, with a dedicated team both inside the fund team as well as uh, through a couple of partnerships that we incubated over the last five, seven years. Interesting. I think you have partnered with a couple of uh, funds in this platform, right? Who You work with them, I mean, as a part of that. 
So uh, I I guess you're talking about uh, the Arca partnership. So that's that's something that we did uh, about uh, two and a half three years ago. We partnered with a couple of value-based funds uh, to create a B2B cross-border accelerator. Uh, so far as uh, the platform side uh, that we were talking about, uh, no, that is something that we incubated pretty much on our own, and we spun these two teams out. One is a team. Uh, which is called constellation blue they are they do advisory work for our portfolio as well as they now cater to the other funds as well and the other one is business called passion connect uh, which does hiring and talent activity talent related activities so they will do hiring they will work on talent branding assignments for our portfolio and very few select uh, uh, unicorn businesses outside of the portfolio as well interesting so we'll surely come to the passion connect later Sure, uh, but uh, coming to what our topic is in terms of normally Bloom is the first ins- institutional investor in companies. That's so, right. Can you share, yeah, so can you share with us how you guide founders on their hiring because uh, they would have been normally a very small team at that stage. Sure. So Rahul, uh, in when we typically uh, look at our portfolio, uh, excluding the last two years. Uh, we would typically enter as the first institutional investors in many companies we are typically the first investor and at that point in time uh, apart from the founders and core members it might be another maybe about 5 6 members and no more and over the last 2 3 years as we started looking at more pre series a investments uh, the team strength at the time of entry could be the same number on the lower end which is about 5 6 members outside of the founders and the core team and maybe on the higher side will be about 20 30 members that is pretty, pretty much the range when we enter and uh, the whole thought process uh, after entering is to make a better use case of the product that the founder uh, wishes to create on the b2b side the idea would be to have a deeper validation with uh, more clients and on the b2c side a deeper consumer, consumer engagement and uh, unit economics positive uh, revenue so the thought process is to fill the gaps in the team uh, and initially when we come in uh, it's not about the fact that the founders would have left some gaps it is a conscious decision to only prioritize hiring basis the immediate needs because capital is scarce so when bloom typically comes in we try and uh, help the founders and we put them in touch with uh, passion connect where passion connect will understand the situation understand the priority of the founders the areas that they need to take talent on they will come with their own templates as well as empathize with the needs of the founders and between the two of them then they will go out there uh, to start recruiting uh, talent top down the idea would be to first go about uh, rolling out the uh, offers and creating uh, job opportunities at the senior level and then with those people start filling up the roles at the uh, mid and the uh, junior level so that's how we typically try and go about it the, in, in the capital continues to be scarce so there is always this balancing act between having the right level of seniority uh, and balanced out with the affordability given the money so that's where i think we also have been uh, always encouraging founders to use esop as a, as a compensating tool and we have seen that as a hallmark for the companies that have done better in the portfolio amongst many other things that they do right they also use the esop tools well to attract the right senior talent in the company uh, not that this is a 
foolproof method but it is a method which is having a very high uh, chances of uh, success because when you have your days is covered with suitable senior people in the team watching out when there is a deep alignment of interests uh, across various levels and you are able to make sure that people in the team stick for the next 3 4 5 years and more hopefully you are able to drive uh, founders time and bandwidth onto the strategic expansion activities uh, and therefore it definitely accelerates the growth of the company as well but when you hire so is, at a junior level i can understand uh, from a perspective that it is about manpower when you are doing a high, hiring of a senior leadership what are the criteria which you would go and tell the founders that why they should hire somebody at a senior leadership because they would be feeling that they know everything types now i think the best founders are good at asking for help i think the best founders uh, would not take this approach that i know it all there will be a very high degree of self awareness i won't try and say that founders uh, uh, where they are or entrepreneurs with some of us are as well in some form or the other we don't have our own insecurities we all have them but i think with that insecurity also there is a fair degree of self awareness so the founders would know the fact that we understand tech development uh, or marketing as the case may be very well and there will be areas which we are definitely going to need help so people are fairly cognizant that if we have to build a business with a uh, 100 million dollar enterprise saas revenues or you have to build a consumer business with uh, net revenues of upwards of 250 to 300 million dollars the journey is going to be crazy long it will be a five year journey from where we stand so you will need good people across various divisions and i'm not just talking about uh, tech marketing finance uh, etc within each of these functions also there are going to be specialists that the founders will need to identify so the tendency first is to figure out uh, what are the gaps in the team outside of the uh, two or three or four founders that we have backed plus one or two of their core team members who already are there identify where all we need to plug and basis that we kind of encourage them to go ahead and look out for people who would come with relevant experience the 0210230024 kind of a journey is the most painful at an early pre series a level where we typically enter the idea would be to go and look out for people who would have the right balance who would uh, come and adhere to overall the culture and the ethos that the founders have set out and not come with the know it all approach and at the same time they know more about scaling because they would have done this so the idea would be to identify talent from companies that have traveled a certain distance which have gone past series bc hopefully even more so you will maybe try and get one two people who have worked with very large businesses and everybody else from businesses which are maybe in the range of 3 to 5 years ahead you would try and avoid picking Uh, or trying to poach talent from immediate competitors or similar scale companies uh, unless the person has in their background or past life done uh, something with uh, areas which are a little uh, further up uh, in terms of the growth chart of the company idea would be to place premium on people who are extremely talented and uh, experienced uh, but there is also 
a weightage on versatility and uh, cultural uh, fit. The, no matter how good or great the person is, if there is going to be uh, disharmony on the cultural side, I think it does not help. But these hires, which are senior leadership, are coming from some of the large companies or who have already raised Series B. What are their expectation when they join early stage companies and when where the bloom is the first institutional investor? I think uh, three things broadly, Rahul. One, uh, when they see that you have a, a strong founder in place along with a seasoned investor. Be it Bloom or could it could be any other seasoned investor uh, or institution like ourselves, they definitely take a lot of heart and confidence that okay, while they would not be naive enough to understand that this is does not have risk, but they'll also take heart from the fact that okay, there is some uh, strong institutional backing. That's the first expectation. Second is anybody who is coming in. Uh, is coming in with uh, their own vision and expectations. They would like to take their own journeys forward. So they have traveled a certain distance and now they want to be part of a relatively early team so that they can contribute as a front and center of the team rather than just operate from the sidelines and cheer for the company with their two bits of contribution. I think everybody, every the best of talent definitely wants to be very deeply engaged, closely involved and be able to correlate for themselves as to what they are building and contributing in the company. So that's the second thing. How closely they are going to be, how central they are going to be in the scheme of the things. Uh, what kind of impact they are going to be able to create in the journey over the next four or five years. Uh, and the third thing is going to be uh, the compensation. So I think if the first two are in place, people will kind of put a very significant premium and be willing to take a hit if they have done well in their past life. If they have managed to have some savings or ESOPs which are semi-liquid, people will take a leap of faith and will be willing to take a deep cut in salaries and compensation. But if they haven't, they will definitely want it to be balanced. Uh, not, not every great hire will say that I want to come in at a industry-wide, industry-suitable hike or a 30% hike or something. They'll be willing to even jump in for a little lower than what they make provided the first two checkboxes are very strongly ticked. But then they would want to see that they are able to partake in the wealth creation through ESOPs. The ESOPs is not just looked upon as a financial tool or a wealth creation tool. It is also a great tool to align incentives between every senior member and mid-senior member on the team. Correct. So two parts to the in this uh, I wanted to deep dive on. One is the alignment of objectives. So uh, when the senior leadership comes, they feel that they can create an impact only then it makes sense to hire them, right? And that's the like most important criteria. I think I think people will not, people always, uh, there'll always be a self-selection on both sides, I believe. I think if the person who's coming in uh, doesn't have the, does not have a similar sense of purpose at an early stage uh, close to the entrepreneur, there's a, there's a 7 on 10 or 8 on 10 chance that he might not resonate as well. We have seen that the best of founders also have, uh, whether it's a pull factor or charisma or whatever name you use, they will be able to attract people of certain high caliber and be able to show them uh, why they are so important and critical to the success journey of that particular startup. As you grow further at Series B and thereafter, the number of people who can come into such positions may keep reducing. Initially, 
you will virtually want everybody at the mid senior level and senior level to come with a similar ethos. Uh, once the company is a series A, you might maybe need the next rung with a similar kind of a missionary mode. And series B and beyond, the number goes down to literally low single digits. But at each stage, you are trying to identify one, two or three such people who come with a similar mindset and uh, attitude. But the number keeps falling as the company grows. Correct. Interesting. Now coming to the on the same point of a second about the compensation. So when you are uh, typically doing a first round, so how much uh, equity is typically carved out? Uh, and say that you know that this is the equity that I we need. Uh, you will tell the founders that it need to be kept for the senior leadership hire or the team hire. So uh, you mean uh, for the ESOP purposes? So why? Correct. Yeah, so broadly now what happens is uh, when the company is raising pre-series A or series A rounds, it is a common expectation that the ESOP pools have to be anywhere in the range of maybe 7-8% on the lower side to about 15-20% on the higher side. And while it sounds to be like a very broad range, Rahul, there is a sound logic for this range to exist. There is a few rules of thumb. So if the company that in question, let's say Startup X, uh, they are a business where there is there are already three or four seasoned founders with relevant credentials, uh, then the ESOP pool that investors expect to create may not be a very large pool. People will make do with a sub 10% pool as well at the time that we come in. However, if it is a two member startup, both uh, founders are uh, tech founders and we need to bring in uh, strong people who understand enterprise sales uh, and who needs to be uh, along with one of the two founders in the US. You need to bring somebody who will take care of uh, the tech along with a second founder sitting in maybe Bangalore or Delhi or Bombay. Uh, when you're trying to fill in these critical positions in addition to the two founders, one will realize the fact that you need a slightly higher ESOP pool. So if the founding team is uh, maybe three, four people and each of them are heavy hitters in their own respects, you will definitely be happy to make do with a smaller pool because you won't need it. Uh, if the fundamental functions which the company has to uh, deliver their metrics on or has to operate over the next 24 to 30 months, are vacant and they are not areas which the existing founding team can cover very easily, then the expectation will be to have a slightly broad-based ESOP pool. And most of the investors, there's a standard practice in the venture trade that if a ESOP pool is carved out, it is always carved out of founder stock. And at the time when this pool is not utilized, it is distributed amongst the founders who are there at the time of exit uh, at that point in time. So it is not that by trying to carve out a slightly larger ESOP pool, the founders are going to lose a lot. Yes, it definitely makes an impact when an investor expects you to carve out a 15% ESOP vis-a-vis what you believe could have been maybe 8% or 10 but so far as there is a framework which allows the residual ESOP to go back to the founders, I think it should not be such a big factor. And then there are also cases, Rahul, on that note, since we are talking, I think it is relevant to highlight, 
that wherever we have not been careful enough to carve out the requisite ESOP base, the subsequent round of investors have expected that carve out to happen. So the reason we try and be careful and try and take a slightly conservative view is we want to try and make sure that in the future, the investors would like to avoid dilution and they would have a compensating clause that if we have left unallocated ESOP, it will go back to the founder. So it's a win-win across both sides. Okay. And uh, so the what we carve out at initial stage, say hypothetically it's a 10%. Normally, uh, what's your experience till CDC, that would be the percentage that will be maintained. I mean, say, obviously where there are gaps, they go back and say, no, no, you should increase the ESOP. But is that percentage typically, uh, so every time there is a new investor coming in, uh, the, some part of the already carved out ESOP is allocated to the leadership team. So for, for example, out of 10%, 3% is given. So 7% is left. So when a new investor comes in, additional 3% have to be carved out to maintain it at 10%. Not necessary. Not always, Rahul. What happens is if the incoming investor uh, comes in with a view that uh, the 3% that has been given has been uh, given away uh, for the right reasons and for where the company is, 7-8% is good enough, they might not insist for uh, topping up the 2 or 3 that is already allocated. And in some cases, investors may ex expect that why only two or three? The direction in which the company has actually pivoted might need five, seven percent to be allocated. So then the founders plus all other existing shareholders, including the investors of the previous round, will also contribute in that dilution. Once uh, an ESOP carve-out is being made, largely every shareholder will dilute. So let's say that enough companies uh, in our existing portfolio, post-Bloom having come in, where they have raised series A, B, C, D rounds, where they have created additional ESOP pools, additional MSOP pools for the founders. And we as shareholders have been happy to dilute. It's fair. Uh, in fact, there have been cases where we have championed that cause for the founders and said, no, it's uh, fair for all of us to dilute and so that we can create a little more room for the founders. So, it is, that is a common pattern. Or and it continues all the way till the time of the IPO, where at each point in time, you need to create the pool, everybody dilutes, you need to reset the pool, you do that. The other thing that also happens, Rahul, maybe you want to cover it uh, separately. Uh, other thing that also happens as the company raises more capital uh, at series CD and beyond, and when the chunky fundraises happen, a small part of it, let's say out of a $100 million base, maybe $2, 3000000 million, is allocated towards buying out uh, employees who have vested ESOP or uh, giving bonuses and getting back the ESOPs into the pool. Uh, so there are those practices also that we have seen. This ensures employees have some liquidity and the ESOP pool can be maintained at the certain level without too much of loss of liquidity. No, no, I definitely want to have a separate topic, uh, conversation and podcast on that because it's a, one is giving a ESOP, but second is liquidating ESOP is a journey that from Indian regulatory standpoint, as well as from uh, uh, operationally, uh, when the companies and uh, founders get exit, how does that uh, other employees get benefited? We need to talk much about, much more about it. Sure. I think definitely I will have a separate topic, okay. conversation. So coming to the uh, now compensation for these early hires, uh, 
is there any framework which can be used uh, by early stage companies so who uh, they know that they're still not funded for example obviously funded you would guide them but for a somebody who is starting a company now they are at early stages uh, how the compensation structure can be structured uh, for hire they know these are the gaps they are technically guys but they don't have a marketing strength they want to hire somebody in marketing or vice versa so if i if i understood your question right now you're saying how how are some of these decisions made right ha huh, i uh, i would put it uh, see can i use or can somebody use any framework for how much uh, equity should be given to a senior hire got it so uh, i think there i think there uh, there are no fixed rules so i will uh, i will give you a couple of examples uh, there are cases where when you know that you are hiring a senior person you know his market compensation let's say that the person is at a compensation of about uh, 5 lakhs a month so 60 lakhs plus uh, whatever he swaps he or she may be getting into their current jobs and the budget that uh, founder has after his pre series a uh, or for that matter series a uh is roughly about let's say 40 lakhs so this is a clear gap of 20 lakhs uh when you are getting somebody to join in at that juncture you would definitely want to make sure that you are giving away 20 lakhs whatever is that one time uh whatever is a cash loss has to be given away as a esop over the next 3 4 5 years plus the esop that the person has currently so the person is coming from his existing job or from her existing job and is losing a lot of esops he or me he or she may not be very excited so you might have to put in that much if he has a crore worth of options which might get lapsed because he or she is quitting the current uh, company the founder will have to show him or her a path to uh, uh, making up of that loss plus top it up by a, a number of the cash loss So in this case, the person is losing, let's say, crore worth of stock. So the founder will have to compensate that, plus twenty lakh worth of cash loss. So this one, so this becomes one point two crore. Let's say the valuation of the company was, let's say, sixty seventy sixty crores. Now we are talking about two percent ESOP broadly. That's what one point two crore on the base of sixty works out to. So you are giving so many options, which amount to two percent of the ownership of the company. which will be vested over the next 5 years or 4 years as the case may be and when the value appreciates over the next 4 5 years let's say the 1.2 becomes 12 crores the person has been more than adequately compensated if the value goes down of course everybody has lost money and so will this person lose money so that's one framework that you map the quantum of offering vis-a-vis what the current uh, organization is offering to uh, the person you want to hire plus top it up with the cash loss the person stands to suffer because of the change of job the other way is when you're coming when you're looking at people in the sales part of sales teams or marketing teams uh there you can add a variable percentage as well so you say yeah you will get 2% but on top of it <coughs> i'm sorry you will add another about 1% and out of that 1% each year there will be 0.2 or 0.25 available to be allocated 
uh, when the founder is going to when the person is going to meet their targets the same thing can be uh, added for various people where you can have objective kras assigned and for few other people you might also have uh, longevity based vesting so while the vesting is maybe 2% over 4 5 years as soon as if the company exits and you are still there you get additional half a percent or additional 1% so there are ways to manage this for sure uh, rahul there are different frameworks uh, which we can cover but this is one broad way you can uh, demystify the uh, offering so when i i was reading in some of the blogs so uh, on part of that one rule of thumb they were saying that the sacrifice which a uh, senior hire does while joining a early stage it normally the company it can get compensated time like two times or three times or it's like a x of what the hit that he is taking is that the correct way of looking at so uh, if if the person meant that the reasonable value that he should be able to forecast for himself or herself should be two to three times of the value that he is using today that's a fair assessment so in our older example that i gave you two minutes ago he is yeah. currently his 1 crore in a growth company let's say would have become maybe 2 crores over the next 2 years or 3 years uh, and because he is joining a very early company that 1 crore will become let's say 5 crores much faster it's a fair assessment uh, that's a fair expectation but to say that he was getting 1 crore in flipkart and so uh, now that he is joining a much younger company which is a seed stage company so he should get 2 or 3 crores worth of stock uh, is going to be a bit of a stretch because you can't have that much value of esop today you can have two or three times of the opportunity cost over the next 4 5 years such that if you're there in the business and the company has a moderated outcome you will get that much if it's an exceptional outcome you will get maybe five or 10 times of what you would have otherwise made into a unicorn interesting but the cash uh, hit that they are taking so in your example he took uh, that senior hire took a hit of 20 lakhs for example right so can uh, what i understand is so 20 lakhs of hit is to so you give a stock worth say 40 lakhs or 50 lakhs for the cash hit that he has taken that is fine that is fine so uh, you definitely uh, can top it up it's always good to uh, leave a little room for adjustment on the higher side so we encourage all of our Uh, senior hires coming into our portfolio or founders to have conversations on a slightly conservative note so that once the relationship has gone a little deeper and more settled you can always top it up extra after seeing uh, the person in action so so to 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 start with you might say okay i'll add up 20 30 lakhs and other 20 30 lakhs i'll add once you have finished maybe a year or two years or i'll add basis a certain milestone because at 20 or 30 or 40 whatever the number rahul you are giving is anybody is going to appreciate as the company raises more rounds of capital over the next 4 5 years the best of companies raise money at least 4 or 5 times in 4 to 5 years so each time you raise money you having a 2 to 4x kind of a multiple so if the person has invested like even 20 lakhs uh, you will end up with about 10x of that over a 4 or a 5 year journey which is reasonably fair please do also understand uh, that if you have over allocated for one particular role you are setting a benchmark and then 
you would end up exhausting the isop pool and it and once you have given that you can't really claw back so the frameworks at startups should definitely be such that you can add on to isops you should not be do the opposite you sh- if you do the opposite it creates trust deficit which is not a very healthy thing if you have created room for upping it basis milestones basis longevity basis other factors i think that's a very healthy environment but doing the other way around definitely creates a lot of heartburn is what is our experience in this early stage companies esop is there any success stories that you can share or you can talk about in some of your portfolio companies so there have been quite a few right so there when when i talk uh, about some of our companies be it businesses like an academy gray orange purple uh, turtle mint uh, tricorp we've had people who have been who joined early uh, and who have been there for a reasonable period of time and have had his stocks and then we have exited companies like taxi for sure metal uh, promtech Uh, where people have actually uh, also got uh, richer and created a small uh, wealth for themselves with the isop that they earned uh, from the company at the time of sale so in terms of examples there have been cases across the value chain whether it is people on the sales side people on the tech side uh, marketing roles uh, we had a couple of strong finance people also part of the team who have grown well with the company and uh, created options for themselves interesting i think hopefully this should help and inspire uh, some of the uh, smart people to join these early stage companies because uh, i think uh, definitely they lack some part of the skill set and uh, what i believe is some of the large companies where com- these smart employees are working they are not ready to take chance and i think this kind of success story should inspire them to uh take a bait and move to the early stage companies make them grow that that's yeah i feel so yes now fantastic so coming back to what is the uh, we spoke about uh, passion connect i just wanted to very briefly touch upon uh constellation and passion connect uh, how they help in the talent scouting for the portfolio uh constellation works on the uh, services side uh, so they help uh, businesses with respect to their diligence preparation uh, managing the metrics financial reporting uh, helping with their legalities representing the founders and the investors in their follow on rounds as well as exit so they they are a one stop shop for our portfolio and some of our other uh, friendly peers who invest along with us other funds big and small uh, so they take the role of advisor and they help the company they take on the execution part of it as well to lessen the burden on the shoulder of the founder uh, as well as they can be advisors so i depending on the needs of the founder and then passion connect is a hiring business so they will work with founders uh, and take on mandates for hiring they will not just be transactional and hire people based as a mandate or a contract for a fee while they do that they also work as dedicated resources and allocate one uh, person for let's say 3 months at a time or 6 months at a time basis need to the founder when they're going through a follow on raise and they need to aggressively add more people they will dedicatedly allocate that their time to make sure that they are able to focus there 
they'll also take on assignments with respect to org planning and talent branding uh, so that they can support the founders with respect to their growth activities on the HR side as well. So this is very brief. Uh, happy to cover more depth, Rahul, if that helps. No, sure. I just wanted to get understanding uh, on the Passion Connect. No, but it was awesome conversation, Ashish, and very great insights on ESOPs, especially for uh, when we are talking about equity to be given at early stages. And we are, uh, so we just looked at one topic on ESOP side, and there are so many parts to it. And I would definitely want you again to be on Joshi podcast for that. Definitely, Rahul. Uh, it was a pleasure chatting with you. Looking forward to more if that's helpful. Sure. Thank you. Thanks. So, guys, thank you. Thank you. So, guys, loved if you loved this episode of Joshi Podcast, head over to Google Podcast to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's much appreciated. Thank you.